Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Everybody knows that we're hog wild. Yeah, everybody knows that we're hog wild. Razorback Nation, welcome to the Hog Talk Podcast, episode number 18. This is your host, Jacob Davis. Later on in the show, though, Peck and John Neighbors of ESPN Arkansas 95.3 FM in Fort Smith, they will both join us for that segment. And we did get a few commitments this weekend out of Bryant's Control Wallace and Memphis's Darren Turner. Control Wallace, three-star out of Bryant. Uh, he was a highly rated one uh 24-7 sports. They haven't really seen much out of him. Not a guy that hadn't gone to many camps, but he is a big-time commitment for the Razorbacks class of 2020 just because it's filling a need. Uh, linebacker, he could be a defensive end. Uh, man, 6'6", 210, 215, whatever. The guy's got speed off the edge, and that's what Arkansas needs, and that's what John Chavis wants to do is fill a gap and, and continue in adding depth. Already have a guy in Tyrese Edwards, and you had a big uh, six or seven man class in the 2019 uh, recruiting cycle. So you're really seeing depth coming through in, in, in this in this past three classes. Arkansas is adding what they need. And then they add four-star on, on a Friday, four-star defensive player, maybe an athlete, wide receiver, Darren Turner. He's a big guy out of Memphis, six foot three, two fifteen, a guy that Arkansas really had been hoping to get. Uh, he came to the barbecue, was hoping to take a visit to Alabama, but I guess Arkansas sealed the deal there and got him uh, to commit way before uh, any kind of Alabama commitment or, or a visit or anything, maybe entertaining Alabama a little bit. So adding him, whether it's at wide receiver or whether it's in, in the safety or defensive back, that's huge for Arkansas, especially considering where they're at right now. Uh, they're they're two they're coming off a two and ten season. They they didn't really look that great. So they bring in uh, four top forty wide receivers. They bring in the best tight end in the country, six offensive linemen, and then you then you have Chandler Morris coming into the twenty twenty class, and and so many playmakers coming in, and you're seeing Chad Morris kind of form and, and mold what he wants this Razorback team to look like, and and you just kind of hope that hey. You continue to recruit these guys, and you and you continue to get four star to four star to four star, and then you're going to compete. But then you watch the next day, and, and you see Arkansas maybe kind of struggle to a twenty to thirteen victory, and you're just thinking, okay, I, we have a few freshmen, but we're still mixing in some of the Brett Bielema guys. It's going to be okay because Razorback fans, you, you're you're seeing you're seeing Chad Morris kind of mold everything. Yeah, you saw mistakes in week one. You're you're always going to see mistakes in week one. I mean, nobody is perfect. You look at Georgia State upset in Tennessee. You've you've got Wyoming and and and, and Missouri. They upset them, and you know Mississippi State. And you lose, and they didn't. They they won, but they didn't look good. You had Ole Miss losing at Memphis this past weekend, fifteen to ten. And you're just thinking, wow, man, if we look good, surely we're going to look better than Ole Miss. Memphis isn't a slouch, and Portland State they were picked to finish last in their conference coming off a four and seven season last year. And you're thinking, okay, well, maybe, maybe two and 10 it and it uh, too far out of the rear view mirror. I had people texting me saying during the middle of the game, man, we're going to be terrible. There's no way we're going to be better than three and nine. We, we paying, we're paying $3.5 million for this or people, uh, you know, on our Facebook page saying, man, it's going to be a long season, or or some people on Twitter saying, don't lose hope yet. There's still something out there. And I agree. I tend to agree with that. Because Arkansas, I mean, even when they, they in their second year, they're always going to they're always going to improve. Look at look at 2013 too, compared to 2014. I mean, they, they lost to Auburn. And then once they got that past them, they started winning their non-conference games. And yeah, they won it decisively. But year two is always a new hope. It's a new start. And you kind of, Chad Morris has weeded his guys out. But you got to remember this, 
one fact, though, is Arkansas still has 56 guys that are on this roster that are either freshmen or redshirt freshmen. And then there's no telling how many sophomores. And then you have a small upperclassman skill, and, and C.J. O'Grady didn't play. You didn't have Hudson Henry. So your two best tight ends or guys that you anticipate to be your best two players at that position were out. You you lose Austin Caps to them on the Austin offensive line, but it didn't look like they missed a step too much. Yeah, it's against Portland State, but they didn't look like the drop off was too too much. And then you you lose Dorian Gerald. You bring in uh, Jamario Bell after that point, and, and and then they bring in Mateo Soli, and they they were bringing uh, other players in to kind of mix up a little bit, kind of give it a different look. And yeah, they didn't throw up the numbers, but you had McTelvin again leading in tackles. Bumper pool looks good. Guys getting their hands in the air, trying to swap passes down. So obviously there was there was good looks there. And so you see the beginning of Chad Morris era really honestly looking good. I, I, I'm thinking that, yeah, okay, they're they're three and ten under Chad Morris right now. But look, there's still 11 games to go, maybe even 12 if you get to a bowl game. The sky's not falling yet. You didn't lose to an FCS team. There, there was chances there you could be up 35 to, to 6 at halftime. Yeah, there were chances, and yeah, there were blown chances. But the score at the end of the game, yeah, it was close. And they had a chance to tie it before the interception by, uh, by Fouché. But you get better between week one and week two. The blocking downfield really was something I was surprised because we didn't see a lot of that this past year, and you haven't, you didn't see that much blocking downfield or willingness to block and give up your body. Uh, there was a couple of runs by Rakeem Boyd where you had running backs down or wide receivers downfield blocking. I didn't catch the number when I went back and watched the tape earlier because the uh, the tape didn't really show me what the number was of the person that gave the block, but somebody sealed the edge there for Rakeem Boyd to have like a 20-yard gain off a swing pass. That was promising. Uh, you had guys downfield uh, blocking uh, when when Chase Harrell came on a crossing route and was going down the sideline. There was blocks there. Um, wide receivers blocking for their running back. It looked better. It looked promising. So, so that kind of gives me a, a hope that, okay, Arkansas is going to get this turned around. It may not be quick, but it's going it's going to turn around. Chad Moore, you got to think about it. This is year two. You've, like I said earlier, you have 56 freshmen and redshirt freshmen. This is still a young team, but in the same sense, you had off off season to prepare, at least look a little bit more prepared, right? I, I kind of felt that was one of the bad things that I saw out of this game. Uh, some of the drop passes, but then again. You look at the Ben Hicks game, and he was overthrowing guys. Some passes were behind receivers. I think they had six drop passes, but a lot of those drop passes were passes that that guys couldn't catch. Even the acrobatic catch by Mike Woods down the right sideline where he had to jump up 10 feet in the air just to catch it or it was going to get picked off, that was impressive. But Ben Hicks was throwing to guys that were two or three, three guys covered. Uh, but there was a nice throw there that kind of reminded me of a Tyler Wilson to Jarius Wright throw where, where Ben Hicks just pinned it right on the money and Tyson Morris caught it between two two defensive backs. So that was promising. I really enjoyed that. I, I thought that was something that was impressive. The offense coming along, uh, that, that was good. The secondary had three interceptions. Uh, I think Chad Morris, John Chavis, and his defensive staff, they wanted to see that coming into this season. Is It's forcing more turnovers. Last year they had 26 on the season. They forced a, they forced three uh, yesterday, so that was impressive. I, I like that. All of them were interceptions. That uh, shows that the secondary has been working on trying to force turnovers there on the uh, edges. Uh, they attacked the ball a lot. Uh, you'll you'll hear that later on in the show with John Neighbors and and Porter Hayes. They attacked the ball. They they wanted to get in the backfield. They and, and then when the ball got anywhere past the line of scrimmage, guys were. Uh, fly into the ball. That's what you wanted to see. I saw a little bit more quickness on defense. Uh, the edges concerned me a little bit because even though the quarterbacks were breaking things down, they were still being able to to go left or go right and and, and get a few or a couple of yards out of a a play that should have been a negative yardage play on defense. 
there's a few things, and, and they're going to work on them. I'm sure they are. Um, Gerald, he was going to be a force at defensive end until his injury. Uh, we'll get to that later on. And Arkansas forced Portland State to two of 17 on third down. That was great, Arkansas getting off, uh, off the field on third down because you hadn't seen that a lot. So that's my good takeaways from the game. The okay things, we saw Ben Hicks early on getting the ball out early, but the the as the game went on, he wasn't that impressive. Yeah, he went 14 to 29 with six drop passes. You know, guys are gonna have to get into, and I'm sure that tonight, even yesterday, Ben Hicks was in there with his wide receivers on working on time, and that's where you get better is working after practice and, and trying to get things going. Um, the offensive line I thought blocked well. Uh, shout out to Dalton Wagner on the right side at right tackle. He was really impressive moving guys. Uh, he looked like a force. I really liked him. I thought, I mean, I looked back at my uh, uh, at my father-in-law and I said, look, this, this is really impressive. I'm liking the drive that Dalton Wagner has. And I thought even way back when he was recruited and, and committed to Arkansas that he was going to be an impressive offensive lineman. He's like a six foot seven, six foot eight, 300 pound guy. That he can be a wrecking a wrecking ball there, and he did. He was whiffing guys, pancaking guys, feed the guy some syrup. Now he he just looked good. I, I was really impressed by that, and, and that opened up the running game because you saw Rakeem Boyd getting six, seven, eight yards at a time, and you just thought at one single point that Dalton Wagner was going to get that extra block there and would still a Rakeem Boyd 70 yard run. It didn't happen, but you saw the creases there. And that's what I wanted to see coming in is if the offensive line can improve. I didn't see much going on at the left left side of the line just because they they ran the majority of the, the running plays off the right side of the line. So that that was something uh that was good. Um the quarterback dual threat quarterback contained off of Portland State. Uh it wasn't very good, but it could get better You'll see that. You you won't see uh, guys their size. I mean, 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, it's hard to tackle those kind of guys. Uh, you just you get better as, as the week goes on or as the weeks go on. Uh, Matt Corral's uh, barely like 6'1". So you'll see, I think Arkansas will have more success just because he's a little bit taller, um, can see the field, and may run their pocket a little bit more than and, – than, what the Portland State guys did, but they'll be able to contain somebody that's just a little bit bigger, can't crouch down and, and duck down and, and and try to move uh, uh, move away from the bigger defensive linemen. So you won't see that every week, just because the SEC's got such bigger guys. They 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 have an opportunity to to go down to Ole Miss and shut down the passing game, shut down the running game. And if Arkansas has that happen, I promise you, next week you will be happy that you tune in and you're still a fan. And then you go back home, you play a two-game stand with Colorado State and San Jose State, and you get Texas A&M at Jerry's World. 4-0, if you get to 4-0, that changes the whole mindset of a team. That makes the team more competent. That makes this Razorback team more, more ready to go. They'll be looking to be 5-0. If they go and, and, and win that Texas A&M game, the sky's the limit. Not saying it will happen, but confidence brings the best out of players. And I'm going to be intrigued to see where Arkansas can do that week uh, in the next coming weeks if they beat Ole Miss. Um, I think the game and pool had pretty good games uh, at at linebacker and and defensive tackle. A game came through. uh, He was double team, sometimes triple team. uh, That was able to bring guys to the backfield uh, a little bit more because you you had more – lanes to run through so that was that was good i've always been high on pool because he had great instincts at linebacker and he's coach a coachable kid so so that was really good uh the the parts that i really didn't like was that there was no passing touchdowns there was a couple of plays and i'll get to that later with starkle and hicks that that could have led to open touchdowns to the two uh true freshmen and in trey knox and Traylon burks but that was kind of disheartening uh, you got to get that pass game going, especially against Ole Miss. Uh, and then the lack of explosive plays. Uh, sometimes the guys were out of place. You, you kind of saw that last year. And I, I, I kind of, in the back of my mind, I said, we thought we upgraded quarterbacks for this? No way. But 
then I saw the arm strength go through, and I saw a couple of throws that made me think, okay, maybe we're going to be okay. We'll see that uh, next week. We'll see that against Ole Miss. Um, and, and one last thing that I really was kind of disheartened with was the lack of running backs uh, that were that were missing tackle or, 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 or missing their tacklers and getting through. It just was – it just kind of – surprised me a little bit because I thought the running backs would be further on uh, in Whaley and, and Hayden. That, that'll that get better. I'm sure they'll clear that up. But Rakeem Boyd on 18 carries, 114 yards and one touchdown. He was good as advertised. And I think uh, Arkansas saved him enough that against Ole Miss, I think he may be able to to, to look really good next week. So that, uh, that uh, will do it for this part of the show. Uh, next segment, we'll have – John Neighbors from ESPN Arkansas 95.3, hit that line.com. Uh, he's a he's a good good guy, a guy that you will that you will enjoy and uh, bring a lot of entertaining factor to the Hog Talk podcast tonight. We are without Ty tonight. Uh, he's having internet issues, so forget him. <laughs> Ty, if you're listening to this, uh, we uh, we miss you. Uh, your your commentaries is what I look forward to every week. So so. Hurry up and get your internet fixed and, and get back with us. So uh, after the break, we will get to John Neighbors and Peck will join us as well. This is the Hog Talk Podcast. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of the Hog Talk. Help us get our message out by subscribing on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast platform. Once you've subscribed... Be sure to share with all of your fellow hog fans on social media. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. So hear me out. It's free. My father-in-law always says, the only thing better than cheap is free. So take advantage of it. There's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit from your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all the podcast platforms out there. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to know to make a podcast in one place. So, download the free Anchor app, or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome back to the Hog Talk Podcast. This segment we have the Morning Rushes. John Neighbors. Mr. John, how you doing tonight, sir? I'm doing the best you guys have ever seen. How about yourself? I've had a face for radio. I guess she's kind of right. I guess I have a face for podcasting. So uh, excited to have you on, get some of your takes from this weekend and, and your journey through the ranks in radio. What you think there, bud? Well, I tell you, it's uh, it's funny that you know I'm, I'm doing this with y'all because I'm getting so used to where every single morning I'm having to basically create content and create things. And sometimes out of thin air and it's on the fly. And then even the night before a show, I'm having to prep and do research and all of that. And I'll tell you what, there is something really, and no other radio host will probably tell you this because they want to act professional. I'm not professional at all, but I'll tell you this. It is kind of a nice little change up to be interviewed uh, by somebody else for a change where I can kind of, it's almost like I can be myself a little more. I'm not having to worry about getting live reads in or making sure that everyone got their own time to talk. It's more just kind of sitting back and being really chill and relaxed. So, uh, but, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun to be in radio. I am very blessed and fortunate to be in radio. Uh, I know that, uh, uh there's always been some sort of, I wouldn't say interest, but there's always just been something about kind of the way I've gone through the ranks that's very unorthodox that I really wish I had like great stories for it and how to say that, man, it was from rags to riches, but it really wasn't that that way at all. But, you know, it's sometimes it's just timing is everything in this business. And I've been very lucky and having really good timing so far. Well, yeah, John, just kind of start off with that and, you know, talk about, you know, what it was like to go from, you know, because you've been talking about how you started off you know you were like the so-called captain of the student section at the football games and the basketball games so kind of you know tell us what it was like to go from being in the student section in the bleachers to being the one that now they're coming at you wanting your input and asking you questions i tell you it's quite 
it's quite an honor, honestly. And I know that's cliche to say, but I can't tell you how many times, you know, I get down and I thank God that I'm in the position I'm in because let's be honest, when you hear other radio people or, and it doesn't have to be just uh, local Arkansas radio, just sports talk radio across the board, whether it's local or national, it seems like a lot of them, if not most of them always had to go to college for a broadcasting degree. And then they, they went over and they had to do this gross work with television stations of having to cover games that didn't matter to them. And, you know, they, they always had to kind of go through this process of doing parts of the job they didn't want to do. And I think that that's like it is in every job. But what I got lucky in and in, in finding myself in this position is when I was in the student section, uh, I was also working a part time job, believe it or not, at Enterprise Rent-A-Car. Uh, it was not a. Not the most glorious job. It was basically just me driving cars around. But uh, I think it was the old adage from Step Brothers. You know, they give you the tools to be your own boss over at Enterprise. Uh, but I was just driving cars around, and I realized that uh, when I was driving these cars, they didn't have satellite radio. And this was really before every vehicle came capable with an aux cord. I know I'm really dating myself here, but uh, that's where the cars were at. And so. I would listen to local sports talk radio and up in Fayetteville, there was really only one station that really had local sports talk. And I remember driving around and I, and I'm serious about this. I drove around and I got to the point to where I'm like, I could do better than that guy, that guy that's on the air. I can do better than what he can do right now. I know more about it than him. I know the passion. I know the fan base. I know sports. I can do it better than him. And so it led to me emailing that guy and saying, Hey man, I've always kind of wanted to be in radio uh, I'm in college right now, just kind of looking for a part-time job if you have anything. And what he did is that he uh, didn't have anything big time, but he was like, it was a little board op where essentially I just pressed buttons on a on a board for baseball games just to make sure they played. I didn't get to be on the air or anything. And so it, it started there, and then it got to the point to where his producer or the guy that answered his phones uh, for his radio show ended up quitting. And I had been there for about six months just running boards and he asked, Hey, you want to come on the show and just be my producer? You can crack the mic here and there. And I said, yeah, absolutely. So I had to adjust and uh, still in school and uh, deal, doing a producer job. Well, what ended up happening after that is that uh, I, it was around, I think it was around Christmas holiday. It was a holiday of some sort, but anyways, the guy that I was doing the show for had to go on vacation. Well, there was still a show that had to be done. So he told me, Hey man, just do the show for me. Just do the show. You got it. You've been, I was his producer, I think for about three months at that time, just do the show. And I was crapping my pants. I had no idea of like what to do, what cues to look for or anything like that. I was extremely nervous. Um, but it, my first show was not a good one at all. Uh, I had three days to do it. Basically he was gone. And then my first one, it was awful. It was atrocious. And to that, to this day, I still have it recorded on my computer. So I can always go back and remember how bad I used to be. And, uh, I, re I remember doing that show. And then the, by the second day, it was a little better, still not great. But then by day three, that final day that I was able to do it, I kind of just had this mindset and convinced myself to like, Hey, who gives a crap what I sound like or what I'm saying? Just act like it's the most important thing that anybody could possibly hear and have that confidence. And I tried to approach that show that way, and I did. And it really it really made me feel good. And I had a lot of people being complimentary of it. Well, then the rival station in that area ended up hearing that show. They were impressed by how I sounded, how I handled myself on that show. They asked me to come over to be a producer and a co-host of a show, so I did that. And then I kind of waited through that. Some people got laid off. Some other opportunities arose. And I ended up getting my own show through a bunch of different circumstances from 12 to 2. And uh, I loved that show. And I loved doing that show. And it was my own creation. So it really felt like it was mine. And then after uh, some budget cuts and some, uh, some uh, management changeover, I ended up losing that job. And, and it was devastating to me because I wanted to be on the air. And I felt like that was what I always wanted to do. So anyways, I, I lost that job and then I ended up going down to work for 1037 The Buzz in Little Rock shortly after that doing promotions. I wasn't on the air or anything, but it was still in radio. It was still working for a really good station. So I wanted to uh, just kind of hang out there and see if maybe I could get an opportunity at some point there. Uh, but it was going to be a few years. Well, I get a phone call from Tommy Kraft after being down there for about 
nine months in Little Rock, or not even nine months, it was six months. And he said, hey, Derek Ruskin is stepping down after 10 years of the Morning Rush host. Uh, I'm looking for a new host. Would you be interested? And I said, absolutely. And so I went to Tommy. He took me out to a really nice seafood dinner. And uh, we, we talked some brass. And he, he really liked what I had. And I had known Tommy for a while. And he decided to take a risk on me and gave me the job as the Morning Rush host. And here I am today, a year and a half later. Still doing the morning rush, still having a great time, and uh, now I'm talking to you folks. So I know that was a long, lengthy story, and I apologize about it, but uh, you know, it's just it's a very unorthodox way of how I got to this point. But it's really not that extravagant either. But that's in a roundabout way. That's how I got to the point to where I'm at today. So you really started out. What was it? Under the Petrino days, or or was it the uh, was it the beginning of Belima's tenure, My- or what? What was it? Yeah, my first year was Petrino's last year. So uh, I got to at least witness the 2011 season. And then the first thing I ever covered, uh, like as in going to a press conference, was actually the firing of Petrino. So, yeah, it was around that time is when I got into it. Man, crazy times. (laughs) It's changed a lot since then, too, honestly. Uh, Just watching as a fan and now doing my own podcast here. it's, It's been a whirlwind. We've seen the emotions from high to low, and, and, and then you see the beginnings of something, maybe a program building under Belama, and then you're back to square one. What's it like now covering, you know, trying to find something to cover that, is, that, that makes it radio worthy and, and people wanting to listen to your show? Uh, you know, I'm sure you don't, I know y'all don't just talk about Razorback football, but when you do, how hard is it to find like something to cover when it comes to that? Oh, I mean, it's been extremely difficult and I'm, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't this past full year. I mean, 20, 2018 might've been the most difficult thing and the most unmotivated I've ever been in my job and in my career in radio every day, coming to work day after day, week after week, having to talk about a team that nobody cares to hear about that. No one's excited about that no one really has any interest in. It, it was extremely difficult. And I had to find some sort of way to keep people interested, which is a very difficult thing to do. And I think that that's something that people in our business doesn't really, don't really understand that well, is it's a matter of being knowledgeable. And you can sit there and you can do research all day. And this is something I've even told Ty, my producer, and I'm not saying like I'm, I know it all because I don't, but this is something I've told Ty and some of the younger guys that I've had to deal with. I'm like, listen, you can do all the research all day long. You can know the Razorback football program or whatever program you're covering all back backwards in front. You can know all of that stuff, but it doesn't give a rip if you're not entertaining. It doesn't mean anything if you're not interesting. You have to be able to be interesting and entertaining in this business or else you won't do anything. I mean, listen, there's a bunch of people that probably know more Razorback football than I do. I know there is, but they're not on the radio because they can't they have to find they there's a lot of people that can't be that way where they find themselves being entertaining and interesting to listen to and that's not a conceited thing it's just you can't be in this business if you don't do that but you also have to have a lot of help from the programs and from the content that you're covering where you have to understand that hey if there's not something there to talk about that people are interested in then you have to find something else to talk about but even when you talk about those other things people still aren't going to be that interested in it. So it's kind of like you're damned if you do, damned if you don't, no matter which side of the coin you're on. So it was, it's was it been difficult this past year. Now, this year it's been a little better so far leading up to it at least because there's still some intrigue there. But uh, overall, it's it's not been a very fun time. And luckily, thank goodness the baseball team has given us something to be at least positive about the past few years. Hopefully they can continue to do that in case the football team doesn't work out. Well, and, and another thing is, it's like you being a fan of the team that you are covering makes it even harder because, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's hard to take that fandom hat off and put that host hat on and, and talk about a team that you love so much that hasn't given you anything really much in hopes of talking about. And, and so how hard is that to really be a host when you've got to take your fandom hat off because you kind of, in a way you, you share the same feelings as those fans that are calling into your show. Well, I'll tell you what, it's actually not that difficult uh, to tell you the truth because listen, for some reason there's a stigma in the media business that you, you have to be unbiased towards the program or towards whatever you're covering. And I think that, yeah, there, there's room for that, but not in radio In radio. It's a little different 
In radio, it's just about having fun. And I think that in a lot of cases, you in, in the radio business, you speak for a lot of the fans, the fans that may not have the voice. I mean, let's be honest. If somebody's writing in the newspaper, they're not going to be able to speak for the fans unless the fans are just writing them a bunch of emails and saying, hey, they say all these things, and then they have to end up relaying that message. Same thing in television. Television doesn't do that. They just have a sports section that lasts for about two or three minutes each day, and they're just more reporting on it. Radio needs to be the outlet where fans can have their voice heard. That's why we do call-ins. That's why we do text messages and, and, and get the people involved and the fans involved because that's the medium. And honestly, and, and how I've put this to everybody else is, yes, I am a fan, and I'm not going to apologize for it because I think, it's, I think it's worse to say you're not a fan but you're still biased than to actually just say, hey, I'm a fan and I'm biased. But here's the difference, though. Don't be – got to be a fan of the team, the program. Not a fan to the man. And what I mean by that, and this is where some people got caught up in it, you can't be a fan of Brett Bielma. You can't defend Brett Bielma. You can't be a fan of Jeff Long. You can't be a fan of Chad Morris. You can't be a fan of Hunter check. You can't be a fan of the people. You have to be a fan of the program. Because if you're a fan of the program, that'll make you call out crap when it looks like crap. That'll make you feel like a fan saying, hey, this is unacceptable. You can't be winning this instead of trying to put positive spins on everything because you're friends with the coaches or at the athletic director or whatnot. If you're going to be a fan, you got to be a fan to the school, to the team, to the program, not to any of the coaches, not to any athletic directors. And if once you find that, and if you can be able to do that, then the fans will understand that. And they and I think that there's a lot of fans that appreciate that more, just because it's like, hey, you're just like one of us, and you have an outlet that can be really speak volumes and maybe can even be heard. So if you say it and you're saying the things that we believe in. Maybe somebody will actually listen to it a little more than just one person writing an email. So I think that that's kind of the thing that you have to really put into consideration when you're in this business is just know that you're you're speaking for the fans a lot of times, not just for yourself. And that comes Peg asked you that question after you know he's a big fan of Clemson. So yeah. I mean we know how hard it is to be a Clemson fan right now. Good grief! Yeah, it must really suck. I bet. Well, hey, <laughs> you know what? I've been a fan since Woodrow Danzler. I mean that's the thing that. You know, everybody, when they talk about Arkansas and Chad Morris, I mean, it stems like, you know, a lot of Clemson stuff's been brought up. And so for me, listening to the radio show, I love it because now Clemson's starting to get that notoriety that five years ago we had our own term called Clemsoning because they would always find a way to screw it up, you know. So it's been nice to be able to have input because I know what it was like to be nobody and now rise to the top and see what, you know, Chad Morris did at Clemson and they had Taj Boyd on last week on the halftime show. And so it was really cool to hear his input and what impact Chad Morris had on that. So, yeah, but I remember the, the bad days, but it is, it is good to be a Clemson fan right now. Yeah. And, you know, John was talking about just a second ago about how it is to be entertaining, entertain us a little bit, John. <laughs> what do you? What were your thoughts from Saturday, sir? Ah, uh, that was the most boring football game I've watched in quite some time. Just to be honest, it was very boring. I was I was not entertained. I was really not that interested. And uh, it's unfortunate because it's my job, and I got to watch the game and have reactions to it. And I got reactions to it. And of course, uh, we didn't do a show today, but we will be doing one tomorrow morning on Tuesday to really give our full reactions on it. But. It was just extremely boring. It, it was not entertaining. It was not something that I was hoping to see, considering the things that they've been talking about all offseason. I think that there were some good things. Uh, I think, but most about, but my most accounts, though, it looked just like a team that wasn't that good. Uh, and I know that it's one game, and you can't really have crazy overreactions to it. We'll find out more against Ole Miss this week. But if you were trying to find ways to get fans bought in, and confident that was, that was a very poor job by Chad Morris. If that was the case, uh, now he can do it all. He can change it all. He still got 11 games this regular season. So I'm not hating on it. And listen, it could be a lot worse. You could be a Tennessee fan right now. I mean, you got to You got to really look at it from that perspective. But I, I think that just given all the things that we are hearing about from offenses, offensive, especially, it was not something that I'm just like, Oh yeah, this is, this is good. I, I feel much better about this year than I did last year. I think the defense looked good and looked uh, overall what they were supposed to do. 
But my goodness, where's this left lane hammer down stuff we were talking about? Where's the fast pace? Where's the tempo? Where's the excitement? Where's the big plays? It just didn't happen on Saturday. And I think that that was really what put fans kind of in a same, like nothing changed for their opinions on Chad Morris and the program after game one, nor should it. But it certainly didn't make people feel any much any much better about going into Ole Miss this weekend either. Yeah, there was well, a couple have, of – go ahead, Peg. I'm sorry. Well, how much of it do you think – and this is just my, my personal take on it. How much of it do you think he was just trying to get that run game going? I mean, last year against uh, Eastern Illinois, I mean, the leading rusher had 34 yards rushing. Now, this year, Rakeem Boyd had over 100 yards rushing. So, I mean, it took him – I mean, how long to even name a starting quarterback? So – He's not really going to tip his hat to that offense yet. I think he's very hesitant on on tipping his hat and, and his game plan because he knows how important this year is on the grand scheme of things. So, I mean, to me, at least they showed some progress with getting that run game going. So, I mean, what what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I hope that that's the case. I really do. I hope that it was completely basic vanilla offense, which is I know what Chad Morris alluded to a little bit in his press conference today, but I hope that it is as basic and like you were really holding the reins back and you were really just trying to do basic looks and the run game getting going is fine too. And you were just trying to keep people healthy. I'm hoping all of that is true, but the problem is, is we don't know if it's true until we see the Ole Miss game. Cause I'm telling you right now, fellas, if, if Arkansas goes into Oxford and you see the same type of crap, on offense, you see balls being thrown behind receivers, no plays downfield. You see just the slow-moving tempo that doesn't get the defense on their toes a little bit. Your Arkansas may lose that game because Ole Miss is not good, but uh, they certainly had a, a better showing than uh, what Arkansas did, I would say, just because of the opponent Ole Miss playing Memphis this past Saturday and Arkansas playing Portland State. So I hope that's the case. I hope that this game against Ole Miss, we're going to really see it all get thrown out on the table and boom, here's the offense. I hope that's the case. But until we see it, we don't know. And honestly, folks, the fact that Chad Morris, I mean, there's a lot of people that don't trust him right now, and you can't really blame him just because of 2-10 and 10 and how the quarterback situations have been handled, and he doesn't do a really good job in his press conference building confidence uh, for, for the fan perspective. So, there's people just always going to be questioning, and the only time that they'll stop questioning is when Chad Moore starts providing answers. And and that's the thing, really, is there was a couple of plays that I had to go back and watch when we got home this morning and went back, watched the tape, and there was a throw by Starkle, which was his interception. And if he would have thrown to Trey Knox on this break a bit earlier, maybe half a second earlier, that wasn't the pick. It was a touchdown. And then there was another one, uh, the – Ben Hicks, he rolled right, and instead of planting his feet, he wasn't even, he had all the time in the world. If you just plant your feet, Burks was open, had his man beat. That's those are two 30-yard touchdowns there, give or take. That at least opens the field up, and that changes your score from saying, "Oh man, it was a 20 to 13 game," and then now, okay, we can th- we can say, "Oh, we're going going to the halftime, 35 to six. So I mean, there there's a little there's a few things there that you think. Okay, Arkansas might be better uh, going in, but the final score, I think, is what a lot of fans are looking at uh, going forward into Ole Miss, thinking, oh, are we really going to suffer through another 2-10 and season? <sighs> you know, you don't want to see that, and, and for the fans' sake, you don't want to go in any more apathy than you already have. Right. So, And, I, and, I, yeah. just, and just not to cut you off, but yeah. the thing that I – also say too is you can't ever look at all the other teams and what they're doing i get that but for crying out loud i mean did you see how many teams struggled in week one Uh, and i'm talking about good teams and good teams against bad teams i mean missouri lost to freaking wyoming Uh, tennessee lost to georgia state like Ole miss lost of course memphis but even mississippi state looked like trash kentucky looked terrible i mean these are teams that arkansas is going to be playing this year that did not look good and so you got out of there with a win, and I know that it's Portland State, but I've said it before and I'll say it again. A win is a win is a win, and when you're 2-10, you're taking wins no matter how they get there, no matter how they get and how you find a way, even if it's a close game against a bad team, you won. No, If you go 6-6 six and six this year, which is I think would be a great year by most people's standards, not a single one of us is ever going to look back and say, yeah, they went 6-6, six and six, but 
that Portland State game, game one, you know, that's why I don't believe in Chad Morris. No, they're going to say, hey, you went six and six, and that was a really great year. So scores in the end don't matter. Only the W's matter. Yeah, it's it's the rear view mirror look now. That's right. So, yeah, what a, yeah go ahead, Peg. Also, definitely, you know, because everybody expected this to be a blowout win. That's the thing. I think if this would have been a game where they were like, well, we're going to manage it, maybe a 14 point, if it had been a different opponent, and they were expecting it to be a hard-fought game, but you know, when you're expected to put 40 up on the scoreboard and you put 20, that's that's where it gets to that point where like, man, what are we doing? Yeah, and I and I think just uh, real quick, the the tempo thing I think is what bothered me more than anything is because it's one thing if you, if you only score that many points, but it's like the stuff that I've been being told and other fans and everybody is from Chad Morris's left lane, hammer down, full tilt boogie, let's go, 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 tempo, 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 fast, fast, fast. But I was like, there wasn't even any real effort to go fast. I mean, there was a couple times he went no huddle, but I'm sitting there and I'm looking at the play clock and it's got 15 seconds left on it. It's like they were taking their time. And I think that that's just where some fans are worried because they look at it as, okay, is, is this is this guy really know what he's doing? Because all the stuff that he's trying to preach doesn't really look like they're even trying to showcase it at all. And so if you don't have the tempo and if you don't have the offense, which Chad Morris is reportedly a guru of offense, if you don't have offense, then people are going to really start questioning if Chad Morris is the right man for the job based on that alone. But it's game one. It wasn't an offensive performance, or at least a good one in any respect. So people are still just playing the wait-and-see game. And we heard earlier uh, in the Chad Morris press conference this morning, uh, Dorian Gerald, he strained an artery. Man, the the potential impact of losing him for a year. What are your thoughts on him uh, being out? And, and, you know, next man up, Jamario Bell, uh, been named the starter at defensive end. What are your thoughts there on Gerald being out? I hated I hated to see that because Gerald was a guy that was highly recruited coming out of high school, and uh, he was a guy that I thought would be one of those you know by year three a really big impact player, and I think that he had the setup to do it this year. I mean, the guy had put in the work. He had to deal with the coaching turnover. He you know never complained. He never thought about transferring. He had stuck it out the whole time. And I felt awful when it was announced that, especially for an injury like that, of all things, like a, a, a strained artery. What? Is, how does that even happen? I mean, it's just one of those really sad injuries. Now, luckily for him, he gets the red shirt this year, and he'll be back next year. So uh, he still has another opportunity, which is nice. But my fear is that, you know, this team, listen, the defensive line has some depth. Let's be honest. As far as compared to the other sides of the ball and the other positions, they got probably more depth than most other positions. But still... You can't afford to lose anybody on this team. Nobody. Nobody. You can't you ha- you can't be Alabama and lose a player who was like, all right, well, I guess uh, we were only going to play this five-star junior, uh, sophomore next year, but I guess we'll just have to do it this year instead. I mean, you don't have that luxury. So I think it's going to be a pretty big blow, at least to start. I think there's some guys that are capable, like you mentioned Jamario Bell. I think he's capable of it. But I think Gerald was poised for a breakout year this year, and the fact that they're going to have to sideline him you know, I, I, I'm not saying it's like going from six wins to four wins, but it's certainly going to hurt the depth, especially going up against some of these great offensive lines in the SEC. Yeah. So, I mean, you got a pretty good seat up there in the press box. Yeah. What, do you, what are some of your takeaways? Let's play the good, the bad, and the ugly. What was one thing from this weekend that you thought was good? The, okay, so you're talking about like what I actually saw on the field? On or the just, field. Okay. On the field for Arkansas, or it could be the uh, fact that we got a commitment, two commitments out of this weekend. It could be anything. Okay, I didn't think maybe you were thinking that you know it was going to be about the beer being sold in the stadium, that being the best thing. So <laughs> that was uh, a lot of there was a lot of beer sold. Yeah, there was I'm, a lot. I'm telling you, hopefully they uh, put that money to some good use, uh, putting <laughs> uh, putting some new chairs in the press box or something like that. Something I actually care about. Um, but you know, if I'm if I'm just looking out on the field, I guess the one thing that I really did like though. And, and I'm going to put a butt on the on the end of this. I really liked how the defense got a ton of pressure on the quarterback and really did a good job of stopping the run. I know it's Portland State, but they were getting after the quarterback. But the containment was where they failed. Yep. And so I think that if they can just shore that problem up, that could be a run. I know Gerald is missing, and that's going to be hurtful, but – 
you can definitely tell that there's an aggressive nature on this defense now. It's not always just playing a wait-and-see game. They're, they seem like they're a lot more aggressive about it. So I thought it was really good to actually see, because that was actually the main thing I wanted to see. I actually wanted to see the defense get after the quarterback and cause some pressure, cause them to move around, cause them to have to make plays. Unfortunately for Arkansas, <laughs> it kind of cost them in a few cases because they couldn't contain them. But I think that if they can get consistent at that, because let's be honest, guys, uh, if you look back to Brett Bielma's tenure, to me his best team was in 2014 where they had a defense that was just shutting folks down. And why, how did, why did they shut them down? Is because they had some pros up on the defensive front. And it, they didn't win a ton of games. They won six, six games, I guess, in the regular season. But they were always in the games. They were only down a point to Alabama, down a touchdown to Mississippi State, who was number one that year. They were always in the games. And I think that if they can get something like that similar this year defensively, if the offense isn't great, that's one thing. But they'll at least be in the games in the fourth quarter. And that's where this team really needs to make sure that they get it going offensively. And if the defense can have that type of impact, then I think that that's going to be setting up for a lot more confidence in the rest of the team if they can just be relied on that way. Right. What about bad? What was something you did not like this weekend? Oh, man. Um, geez, where to start? Uh, you know, I guess because I, I didn't look at the game and freak out and say like, oh, my gosh, this is trash. Like fire Chad Morris. I, I saw some people doing that. I'm like, dude, you don't fire a guy after a win. Um, but uh, I think the thing that probably stood out to me as being the worst thing that I saw was was just the the lack of energy on the offense, the lack of urgency, the lack because you didn't have a lot of plays where people were lining up wrong. You know, it wasn't like you didn't have players running into each other like you did last year. So I guess that's a plus. But it, I just was I really wanted to see more of the offense be showcased. I wanted to see it to where you had uh, like, for instance, there was a couple of plays, especially in the early game where Rakeem Boyd was getting like eight yards a carry. All right. I wanted to see an eight yard carry from Rakeem Boyd. And then, boom, five seconds later, you got another play and you're running it and you got Hicks thrown in the flat or. Uh, getting something to Davion Warren, which I think is going to be a really big player. I wanted to, that was the bad thing, as I would say, was just the lack of offensive in, innovation and creativity and the energy, which again, as we talked about, that could have been by design. And if that's the case, that's fine. I, I'll completely be okay with that. But if it's not by design, that's going to be extremely problematic. So just, and, and also to add into that, Getting when you get to the red zone, not being able to get it in for a touchdown was problematic yeah. too because they had a lot of opportunities, but they were all squandered. And okay, here you go. Sorry, I keep thinking of things. I got my number one. I promise this is my number one. The clock management at the end of the first half uh, that was that was atrocious. Cannot happen. It was against Portland State. Luckily, it didn't cost you. But could you imagine if that was against Alabama and, and you had an opportunity to score some points, even if it was a field goal against Alabama when the game's close at halftime and you have clock management like that at the end? cannot happen under any circumstance so if i had to pick the one thing that looked the worst had to be that clock management at the end of the half they were if you happen to see that uh the the video on twitter where it had coach morse doing one sign and then the offensive coordinators doing another sign and that I confusion did. and yeah. like they had one air guitar and the other one was clock 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 and you had i mean it was so what part of that needs to be and, – and Chad Morris ended up owning up to that and saying that was his fault. But, I mean, that could be a huge problem, like you said, in a, in a big game. Yeah, and, that, and I did see that video, and that's what I'm concerned about. I was like, dude, I, I know mistakes happen. I know – and you're all, even Nick Saban has mistakes. Mistakes happen. But something like that can't happen. I, you can't have coaches putting in different signals. I mean, come on. I mean, this is the basic stuff that you as coaches have to rely on. And – yeah, like you mentioned, like that was a, obviously a bad look. But what if that was the end of the game? What if that was the end of game situation and there was 13 seconds left or whatever on the clock? And you got everyone saying, a few people saying spike, and other people saying no, go, go, go. And then the quarterback goes and end up not getting a playoff or whatnot, and the clock runs out, and you don't even get a chance. Like that would be detrimental. So you have to get that shored up. And I really hope that that was just a an error on just like the, the rarity that it is, because if there's something like that happens again, then they're I mean, good grief. It, it's just going to bode very poorly for Chad Morris. And it's a bad look for Chad Morris. Let's be honest, but hopefully it was just a real quick mistake that won't happen again. 
we want to kind of piggyback off that. You know, if, you know, most times you'll see the offensive line stand up, look at the sideline for a play, then they get down. If the offensive line's thinking clock, we're just going to clock it, and then he's thinking we're going to gun it. Well, here comes the defensive line, and the offensive line's not even blocking it. It could cause him to a turnover and, and seal the game. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's stuff like that that, you know, it, it can be the difference. And I am I know that Chad Moore said he's like, I think it was, what is he, 60 to 70% installed on this offense, which I still, I still take issue with, and I still think that's weird. Uh, but, you know, if you got it installed and, and and you're still trying to get the offense together, the coaches have to be on the same page all the time. does not matter when, where, how, if, when, how, whatever. You have to be on the same page. You have to get those calls in, and you have to make sure that your players know what's going on because communication, as we know, in football and in any sport, really, is the key to the success. And if you can't get the basics of just getting play calls in on time, especially in crucial moments, you know, you're, you're never going to make it in this league ever. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, John, we're going to get off here, man. Uh, I think uh, I really appreciate you getting a little bit of time out of your day, especially on Labor Day vacation. Uh, enjoyed having you on, sir. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. You guys do a great job. I try to listen when I can. So uh, if you're listening to this podcast for the first time, be sure to subscribe to these guys. They're good guys. Yeah. Uh, Real quick, shill your stuff uh, since you're shilling us. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, no one cares about my stuff, though. They do my stuff. Oh, they do. Um, uh, let's see. Yeah, okay, so you can listen to The Morning Rush, and that is on six to, uh, It's from 6 to 9 in the mornings. Yes, it's early. Yes, I wake up at 4.30 every morning, punch myself in the face, and then go into work. Um, but it's uh, from 6 to 9 on ESPN 95.3 in the River Valley, ESPN 96.3 in Hot Springs, ESPN 104.3 in Harrison, ESPN 99.5 in Northwest Arkansas, also uh, 97.1 in Camden. And we have a couple more stations that are going to be added here very soon. We'll keep you updated on that. And if you can also stream us anywhere at hitthatline.com, we have a live stream. So be sure to check it out there. We also have Facebook page, Twitter page, YouTube page where you can watch us live. If you can't find a way to listen or watch us, that's a you problem, not an us problem because we are everywhere. You can also check out, I do a podcast as well mainly just me uh, sitting back and uh, talking to myself for 15 minutes called the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. So you can check that out. You can also follow me on Twitter at Rush John Neighbors, which is the place I spend most of my time uh, looking at funny memes and watching funny videos. So uh, you can get after me on that if you want to do that. Yeah, well, that'll wrap up this segment. John, uh, again, we appreciate you being on. And Peck and Jacob, we are going to be out of here. And this is the Hog Talk Podcast. Make sure, yes, subscribe, rate, and review. That's how we get our message out, guys. Thank you very much. This is the Hog Talk Podcast. The Yellow Jacket Drive-In is the hub of downtown Sheridan, Arkansas. They are the home of the Hubcap Cheeseburgers. They will give you crinkle-cut french fries that will tease your palates. The tastiest shakes in the state at 100 North Rock Street in Sheridan, Arkansas. They are family-owned, fast service, and the folks of the Yellow Jacket are ready to see you. Call in your order ahead at 870-942-2486. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.